You bring about what you think about, and when there is confusion and misunderstanding, oh boy, does that show up in your life in a big way. That's the ultimate karmic come around. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing last week's spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Monday. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, these talks are made possible by your questions. I'm answering two of them today about dealing with family members, children, partners who aren't quite there. They think you've drunken too much Kool-Aid. Uh, they're not buying your woo-woo shenanigans. How to deal with them. All right, so today's question, what about family members? Specifically, Mike, how do I help my adult kids or friends who are stuck? For that matter, how do you help your young kids? Everyone here is on their own mission. Everyone here is on their own um, adventure into distilling uh, Maya, as we talked about last week, the illusions versus what is real. And the more truth we have, the greater the freedom, the more fun, the more love, the more adventure. So when it comes to family members, and I'll talk about partners next uh, in this same session. But when it comes to family members, young kids, adult kids, brothers and sisters, respect their journey. Not that you aren't. You ask the question because you care about the relationship. But I remember my mom, rest in peace used to get really annoyed at me or other people, family or strangers. And she would often say, somebody needs to teach them a lesson. And she would usually try to be that person to whack you upside your head and tell it to you, not violently, but the way things really are and how ignorant you were and how stupid you are and blah, 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 blah. And uh, I used to, you know, think she was right because she was my mom. Um, but as you, you always have to start thinking for yourself. And I started to realize that it's like, no, nobody has to tell them the way things really are. Nobody has to whack them upside of the head. Life does that really, really, really well. I mean, you could not have a better tutor than life. It is the ultimate spiritual adventure. Um, you bring about what you think about, and when there is confusion and misunderstanding, oh boy, does that show up in your life in a big way. That's the ultimate karmic come around, okay? Not a scoring system. I've talked about karma before, but it is your thoughts come back as things. And if you're missing a beat, oh boy, it's going to be all over the place. Let your family members go through that. Now, of course, you love them. You can tease them. 
you can say, hey, I just read this really great book. But if you've already tried that a hundred times, look, they're going to see right through you. Let them go. Let them off the hook. One of the best things you could share along those lines, if you haven't burned that bridge already, is The Secret by Rhonda Byrne, The Secret on the Law of Attraction DVD, not the book, unless they're an avid reader. The DVD is 90 minutes and there's nobody who can't, who won't be bouncing off the walls with excited optimism um, going forward. And then it's not you telling them, big brother, big sister, mother, father, sister, uncle, whatever. It's an independent source. I'm one of the 25 people in The Secret, I'm proud to say. Um, it is a thrilling, thrilling introduction to the powers we all possess vis-a-vis -vis our thoughts becoming things. So tease them, invite them. More important than anything else is be a model. Let your life rock because you know the truth, right? The truth that you want them to abide by, abide by it yourself. When you start clicking and the manifestations start rolling in and you've got friends and laughter and opportunities, they're going to be like, what's with mom? Mom, how do you do that? Mom, what's your secret? Mom, or dad, or brother, or whoever you are, be the example, particularly when you've got young children. People often ask me, given that I have a young child, you know, what do we do for our kids? It's like, look, they're already there if they're, you know, 10 and under. They're already there. Take notes from them. Live in the moment. Be happy. Be expressive. Follow the joy. Follow your feelings. Um, but when they start getting older than 10, okay, so then you want to talk about, you know, maybe you're going to win the spelling test if you visualize and practice. Um, and start bringing in uh, elements to help them shape their life. It's amazing how receptive my daughter at four and five years old was to not saying bad things about herself. You know, I, I have a bad memory, she would say, and silly things like that. I said, no, you have a great memory. You get what you think about. All right, so love them, tease them, be a model, and you can always visualize for them and pray for them, not to a God who decides, because there is no such God, but your concerns felt through communion with your higher self and the divine will make a difference. Now, this is a huge question I often get, uh, probably every week from somebody out on Facebook or Instagram about helping your kids. Can you help them? Oh, heck yes, you can help them. But it is their life, as I said at the outset. It is their adventure. They're learning their way. They're a sponge. They're watching you all the time. Um, and they're listening to you all the time. And you can reach those, like if they get in their teens and they're really like not talking to you anymore, you can reach them through your love, through your joy, through your vision of their happiness. They will feel that. Whether or not they act on that now or later is their deal. You cannot make them get A's in math. You cannot make them a better soccer player. You cannot force their life through visualization and prayer. But as I've said before, you can increase exponentially chances of their breaking through in ways you like by helping them with your own thoughts. You can influence them the most by helping them with your own thoughts. But they have to go the final yard themselves. When it comes to partners, this is a little different, okay? I got to believe that since they're your partner, there's a lot 
you at least at one point had in common and chances are extreme that you still have in common even though you may be a little bit further down the path of awakening than they are. Here, again, love them, model for them, you know, try to tease them with the secret or a book, but don't push it. Um, but especially when it comes to partners, you really got to let them find their own way. Uh, apart from gently trying to steer them, you, enough is enough. Because just as you don't want to be influenced by them or to be told by them that you're not serious enough, that you're not working hard enough, you don't want to hear that. Okay, you've been there, you've done that, you know it doesn't work. But how would you feel if they kept saying, you need to be more serious, you need to be more logical? It would be like it, conversation relationship killer. And if you're like, you need to dream more, you need to be happier, you need to self-reflect and do creative visualization, the, the, that's a killer. That's going to hurt them beyond the gentle introductions. And here's when it comes to enjoying who they already are, you know, all those things that already brought you all together. I mean, you don't have to be doing creative visualization together and share every same dream together to go for a walk, to admire a sunrise, to marvel at your kids, um, to spend time and enjoy their families, even though you might have different political or s uh, spiritual views. There's so many ways to enjoy the company of another person, particularly one you've shared so much within your life. And, and here's what I started to say a second ago. Um, Consider that you and your partner, married or not, may be like ancient spiritual gangsters, okay? And you generally learn at the same rate. You're generally at the same place. You've generally got similar ethical standards, morality, etc. You generally like the same kind of movies or TV shows. Now, that, you don't have to have all those things to have a great relationship. But let's just say generally, you've gone in and out of different lifetimes with them. Trading places, you're the male, female, male, male, fee, fee, blah, blah. Just experimenting because you learn so well with them. That doesn't mean you get along and you always agree. Maybe you rarely uh, agree. But there's some kind of je ne sais quoi that, that makes you two generally very compatible. And now all of a sudden going in and out of lifetimes, you start kind of really hitting your stride. And you're like, man, there's order here. There's magic. There's no devil. There's no hell. There's just love. We're being pushed on to greatness every day. But your partner doesn't see that. It probably hurts you more than it hurts your partner. But you're still thick, still together, thick and thin. And so you're shown that you could choose a lifetime with them where you will really be hitting your stride in the illusions, even though they won't be. But they want to be making this decision with more clarity than we typically have here, more memory than we typically have here. They and their guides, you and your guides, they want to be in your light this lifetime. And you're like, oh, hell yeah, I want to I want to do that. I want to help you. I love you more than I can even put into words. Let's have another amazing lifetime together. Uh, and, and so in this lifetime, your agreement, spiritual agreements, you can break them. There's nothing unspiritual about breaking a spiritual agreement, as ironic as that is. 
But your spiritual agreement is to be the light for them in this lifetime. Maybe last lifetime they saved your butt. Maybe it was the guillotine for you until they intervened. Okay, And you're just like, look, you're just the bee's knees and I want to be there and I am going to radiate truth and joy and I'm going to be a model for you to lift you from the murk and mire. So now you get here and you know, you're kind of chasing, chasing your dreams and you found each other and it's been mostly really great, but boy, are they slow. Boy, they're just not getting it. Boy, and you're just like kind of writing them off. Like, look, you know what? I, I'm, I can't wait forever for you. You're just not getting it. You won't even let me talk about the law of attraction. Wouldn't that hurt? Wouldn't that suck? After your life, you're like, this is a lifetime that you chose in part to be their light for the love that they've shared and the life that they saved in earlier realms. And you got impatient because they didn't wake up as quick as you. Oh man, I can't believe I did that. Now that does not mean you have to stay with anybody. Okay, you don't. There's nothing unspiritual about a divorce. There's nothing unspiritual about parting ways. It's all good. You're loved and adored and you got to do what's right for you first and foremost. Taking into account your kids and responsibilities, you know, that's easy to do in stride. You don't have to make a knee-jerk reaction and end a relationship because they don't practice the law of attraction. But if there's such a difference and you've grown so differently, it is okay. But I would really want to be sure in my deepest heart of hearts that that was the case before I ended a relationship. So I would just urge everyone to be extremely careful when it comes to such a gigantic uh, decision. Pray, ask for help, visualize your future happiness, their future happiness, um, and see how circumstances shift. And don't think that they need to be where you are for there to be a great relationship because that's just totally not the case. My wife is very spiritual but in a very different way than me. Um, and it's good, you know, you don't want to be too similar. The very last thing I'd have to say about relationships and family, no matter what the relationship, too often people worry that their dreams won't come true because they have a partner or their entire family kind of against their views. Like they're all religious or they're all this or they're all that and they're, here come you and you want to live in abundance and have friends and cre creative expression and meet Oprah Winfrey. Nobody can stop you from doing those things. Okay. And, and don't blame your family or friends. Now, granted, you might be spread thin and you might have other responsibilities, but don't let that false idea trick you into thinking you got to get rid of them because otherwise your dreams can't come true. You can be happy you can eventually move towards abundance. Maybe not if your kids are in diapers right now, you know, maybe you can. Um, you know, you're gonna have to pace yourself because you've got a lot of great priorities and a lot of love in your heart for a lot of people. But pace yourself, don't be impatient and realize that you can have your cake and eat it too in wealth and abundance, friends and laughter and international travel post-COVID, um, no matter who you're married to. And if they just can't handle it and they wanna move out, well then peace and, peace and love to them. Um, any separation should always be done with love in your heart, whether you want it or they want it, and uh, you're going to be good. So you're not vulnerable. You can do it and have it all.
Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley. Great question today, kind of fun, almost heartbreaking, um, given that the answer could go a certain way, and I think we fear that it does, uh, which would be devastating, but it doesn't go that way. So I'm happy to answer this one. How to find loved ones who have reincarnated? Specifically, Mike, if we die after a deceased loved one chooses to reincarnate, will we will we be able to find them uh, oh that would be so devastating that if you lost your brother uh, as the questioner elaborated uh, long ago and then you pass but your brother's already come back and reincarnated i mean is it two ships in the night and you'll never to see each other again uh, this question presumes things to or speculates that things may be a certain way in which they are not. And so we are always together, forever connected to the people we love from this lifetime and all other lifetimes. I've got a couple of different angles for you to uh, understand this. But first, um, one thing that makes sense and that is echoed in a lot of really cool, usually channeled books is that we are multidimensional beings. And that time is an illusion. So to understand that, there are probably literally an infinite number of vari variations of each one of us. Every time we make a decision in our life, we go both ways and each one thinks we're the only one. Okay, And then we live in a world where other people are making decisions. In one lifetime, you could have 20,000 varieties of yourself. And now this boggles the mind a little bit, but then... We have forever, and then we reincarnate all on a timeline. What I just described all unfolds on a timeline, and time is an illusion. What I want you to take away from this is being multidimensional means you're in many places at the same time. Whether another version of you, as you know yourself to be, or another incarnation of you in the past and or in the future. Your future selves already exist. We're everywhere always at once. We are of God, by God, pure God. So there's not this romantic version of reality where things unfold along a linear timeline. And if you're in Tokyo and your soulmate is in Los Angeles, you may never meet. That does not exist. It's all illusions. For the adventure of believing in here and there and have and have not, etc., etc. What you got to know is that you are right now connected to those you've loved and lost. It's just that this version of you, in the thick of the soup, you know, believing that you are, fill in your name here, believing that you are good at math and bad at art, believing that you were born of so and so on a certain date and you've got however many more decades or centuries to live, um, that version of you is unaware of your simultaneous existence in other probabilities, in other parallel worlds, in other reincarnations, yet there is a portion of you, a higher self, that is connected to all of that, and your higher self, and your brother's higher self, and your loved ones who have passed higher self, are all getting together for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day forever and ever. And you're communicating, you're laughing, you're planning your next incarnation, 
you're planning your last incarnation, time's an illusion. It's all really wonky. And it's only you here now, this teeny little sliver of your true identity that is unaware of this continued camaraderie that exists between all people in love in your spiritual family. And the truth of it is we're all spiritual family and we're all in love with one another. We all know each other in a deep, profound way. We're just pretending in this lifetime that we don't. In this lifetime, we're bamboozled by the illusions. So we think that there's lost opportunity. Oh, I would have, could have, should have. Oh, but what if I don't find my sister? Utterly impossible. So reincarnation exists, but it is not as linear as you think, which is really great news. We are multidimensional. So there's other portions of you that are connected. And when I say your higher self, you know, is fully aware of what's going on. I'm not talking about some weird, esoteric, theoretical, higher version with no personality. I'm talking about you. You are your higher self. You are just presently in experiencing a little splinter of your higher self. So instead of saying higher self, which kind of puts it far away, your true self, your true self is best buds with all who have passed and many more from other incarnations and from probable realities and parallel realities. Nothing is ever lost. No connection is ever broken. Wherever there was once love, there is eternal love. No matter what hardships you've been through together, no matter how angry you, they were with you at one point or how angry you have been with them at one point, there's only love. We're all connected. There's only one. Last little stray thought. You can, all of us can, practice communicating from this bamboozled street level version of yourself with loved ones. I mean, just in real quiet, um, maybe dark, maybe in nature, whatever suits you. Just say, hey, just have a conversation with your dearly beloved. Just in your mind, close your eyes and what's it like where you are? Are you happy? Have you seen mom? You know, is she still crazy? <laughs> Have you found a, you know, Benji, our dog? And feel the answer. You're probably not going to hear them speak. You might, but feel, feel their love. They're pressing it out to you right now. They're just like, oh, when you, when the lights come on and you see what I see and you start to remember, oh my God. They're pressing it to you 24-7. You think of a loved one, they're there. Always, without exception. You think of a deceased loved one and they are with you. They are multidimensional. They may be living their next incarnation. They're actually living their next 72,000 incarnations simultaneously. You can't miss them. Doesn't matter what they're embroiled in. Their true essence will be with you as it is also living other lifetimes. So you can practice communicating with them now in thought. You can write a question like journaling and then write down their answer. You will surprise yourself. You will really surprise yourself. Go there, practice it, develop it. Yes, I've done it. I've done all these things. And then if you're really feeling grief and you're really impatient, there are a lot of great psychics out there, mediums who can hook you up and connect, you know, use word of mouth, uh, use um, 
references. When a friend tells you of a friend who knows somebody who's really good, check it out. Um, you know, as long as the message is of love, then you're probably dealing with somebody competent in the spiritual psychic realm. I'll give a shout out to my friend Tracy Farquhar. Tracy Farquhar. Google her. She's on Facebook. She's an incredible medium. She helped connect me with my mom uh, as well. And um, anyway, so there you go. Uh, nothing's ever lost. You're with your loved ones now. Have an amazing Tuesday. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up. By the way, this means thoughts become things. This was my, my phrase in The Secret, and it's one that I've used even a uh, decade before that. So that's, it, it, that's what it is. That's what it is. Thank you for being here. Thank you for asking your questions below on Facebook and on Instagram. I tried to bring spiritual lofty ideas, particularly pertaining to manifestation, living deliberately, Thoughts become things down to earth. So you have traction because you were born to succeed. You are of God, by God, pure God. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. There is nothing written. You decide what happens next in your life by your focus, by your words, by your actions. And then the universe aligns based on your dreams. Okay. It is that easy. Uh, these are primitive times that we live in uh, and times where we so misunderstand who we are we are afraid of failing when really failure is impossible. Uh, thinking otherwise slows you down and freaks you out. Today's question, how to get past the fear of failure? Specifically, I have the utmost confidence my book is going to be a game changer. How do I get past the fear of failure? that it just isn't going to be that great. So for this person who's writing a book or for you, what is it you want? Do you fear failure? It's quite common. And I don't really agree with Marianne Williamson that we fear success. I think that sounds really nice, but I don't know too many people who are really afraid of success. They might not believe they're worthy. They might not believe they're capable of it. I think really and truly it is as simple as fearing failure. Okay, so that's, uh, that's how I'm handling this question and this is where my answer is coming from. So you're writing a book or you're losing some weight or you want to live in wealth and abundance or you want to start that company and just go to the moon with it. Um, here's the deal. Have your dreams and follow them because they're fun, because they inspire you, because they scare you. Don't follow your dream with the intention, it's going to change my life. Then your dream, which was once wistful, fanciful, and luring you down the yellow brick road of life, suddenly becomes this beast of burden. And if you don't do it right, the rest of your life can't take off. Why do we do this? Why do you want to write a book that just is a total game changer for planet Earth? The same answer to why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want a million bucks? Why do you want your travel partner? It is for the fun of it, for the love of it, falling in love, being loved on the way, the journey it makes possible. It is for wealth and abundance. It is for creative fulfillment. 
Okay, those are your dreams. Writing a book is one of many ways to get to this place. Don't turn your dream into how other things are supposed to happen. Dream of those other things independent of writing the book. And after you're done dreaming of the life of your great escapades, then your feet hit the ground, take action, write the book, start the business, start the diet, eat some vegetables, call up a friend, go out on a date, get bold, approach your comfort zone. There's a difference between what your dreams would ideally be, generally emotional, generally joy, generally end results painted with a broad brush, a difference between what dreams ought to be. Now you can make your dream whatever you want, but if you get into micromanagement and cursed hows and cursed whos and cursed whens, you tie the hands of an otherwise unlimited universe who, who knew somebody better, who knew a quicker way, who knew a better time frame, in alignment with all of your other dreams and desires and your fears. It was gonna thread the needle and blow your mind, but you started micromanaging. It's gotta be my book about the, the time I spent on the farm uh, and Oprah will love it and I will live happily ever after with friends and laughter and health and harmony. It's like, tss, dream of friends and laughter, health and harmony. Literally visualize that everything's working out and you're getting hugs and high fives and you're writing big checks with lots of zeros and you're starting a foundation and you're, you know, you're hanging out with the funnest people you've ever met in your life. That's the dream. How do you get there? The universe knows, but give it something to work with. Create a palette of possibilities. Write the book, but don't make the book the beast of burden that has the job of connecting every dot so that your life takes off. That would scare the dickens out of anybody. Don't turn your dream into a cursed how the rest of my life will work. Because then if you have a blank page, that means your life's not going to work and it will all be for nothing. And what's my point? And why is my purpose? And why was I born? And it's like, then we ask all these questions, making the joy of life so complicated. Dream of happiness, dream of laughter, dream of go ahead and visualize the details, but don't attach to the details. Go ahead and visualize writing the book, it coming out joyfully, Oprah loving it, selling a billion copies. But what's important are the friends, the laughter, the travel, the creative expression, which may come from other quicker, happier ways than either writing, or maybe it'll be your second book, or maybe it's going to be because you start that business, or maybe it's going to be because you do something that you can't even imagine right now. Don't attach or insist to house any path writing entrepreneurial all that any path is a how that doesn't mean don't try paths out but don't say this path over all others because you close the door on all others hopefully i made the distinction i know at first glance if you're new to my teachings this can seem like wait a minute this is not what i read in the secret uh, it is. It's a better. It's it's 2.0. Okay. Let your dreams be of joy, happiness, love, abundance, broad brush qualities, 
but don't insist on how they, you get there. And then feet on the ground, write the book, be at your best. Visualize those details, but don't attach to those details. Leave room for even better. Start the business. Sign up for a dating website. Give speeches at Toastmasters. Start painting again. Write a second book. Do stuff that you love and love and do it because you love doing it. Don't turn it into the house. Okay, did I repeat myself a little bit? Maybe three times on that one. I, I hope you uh, had some patience and I hope I uh, made the points I wanted to make. You're here to love your life. So just start loving your life. All the details will take care of themselves as long as you are in motion on a path from which you insist nothing. Okay, and then you leave the door open for other. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up. And boy, is this going to be a lot of fun. Aliens, extraterrestrials, UFOs. Several of you have asked me to share. One time in an earlier spiritual tune-up, I spoke about aliens briefly in the context of weirdness, the Loch Ness Monster, etc. This whole thing is about aliens. And um, they are everywhere. They are teeming throughout the physical universe and they are all over uh, planet Earth. In fact, I'm quite sure, just, uh, just from what I've read and intuition, that perhaps we have some of their DNA. Maybe they have some of our DNA. That's not such a big deal. Um, but, but you got to believe that they're there, okay? I'm sure all watching this right now do. Uh, I wrote a book with my dear friend, Tracy Farquhar, who serendipitously I mentioned yesterday, she's a psychic, a channel, a medium, Tracy Farquhar, um, from deep space with love. Tracy channeled Frank, this collective of aliens. You got to read it to believe it. And when you read it, you will believe it. It is phenomenal. Um, anyway, I couldn't more highly recommend it, but I did a little bit of writing here. Tracy did a whole lot. And I just put some statistics together in here because I speculate, look, if you don't believe in the existence of UFOs, aliens, extraterrestrials, that would seriously, seriously bring to question um, the intelligence of the person doubting it um, in space. Actually, I said it much more eloquently and humorously in the book. But here are some statistics to back up my speculation. And we all know that they're there, right? Okay, do you know how many planets there are? Okay, get a hold of these numbers. You should be sitting down for this. This is fact. Scientists estimate between two to three trillion planets in the Milky Way galaxy alone. Two to three trillion in the Milky Way galaxy alone. Do you know how many more galaxies these same rocket scientists estimate? This is where you better sit down. 100 to 300 billion more galaxies. 100 to 300 billion galaxies. And this galaxy, which is not unusually big or small, has 2 to 3 trillion planets. So let's do the math. Let's say 2.5 trillion planets per galaxy. And instead of going... Uh, 100 to 300 billion galaxies. We'll go on the low end. 100 billion galaxies. 
that number of planets that exist in the physical universe, just ballpark on the low end, 2.5 trillion times 100 billion, that's 2.5 octillion planets. The human brain cannot comprehend a number that big, 2.5 octillion. Put it this way though, have you won the lottery lately? You haven't won the lottery lately? You know, your chances of winning the lottery are 1 in 14 million. That's probably why you haven't won the lottery. 1 in 14 million. Well, if you played the lottery one time for every single planet of the 2.5 octillion planets, and that's the low end, do you know how many times you would win the lottery? You would win the lottery 178 quintillion times. That's unbelievable. And this is your lucky day, no doubt. 178 quintil quadrillion, quadrillion, you know, after a trillion, quadrillion. That's how many times you would win. There's so many planets. And to think that we might be the only planet with, with sentient life, humanoid life, conscious life, spiritual life. It would seriously bring into question the manner of intelligence on the planet that said we are probably the only ones. You'd have to be daft, and that's being kind, to not believe that there are aliens. And chances are, and from some of the channeled books I've read, tens or hundreds of millions, minimum, minimum of advanced beings like ourselves in the physical cosmos, which is way less than the 178 quadrillion. We're still talking hundreds of millions of planets. And of course, to think that we might be the most advanced of that number, that's a joke, okay? In fact, the channel material says that we're probably on the low end. Uh, that we're not even kind of halfway to where we can be with all the lights on here, fully functioning God particles. So I got some more really juicy stuff to share with you. And it's going to be from what Frank shared. It is such a cool book. Frank parallels stories from their planet, Brohashka, to what we're going through on Earth. And it's their desire to lend a hand because we're gonna we're kind of going through the dark night of our soul in some regards, um, teetering on the brink of climate collapse, economies collapse, political divisiveness collapse, um, stuff that they went through that that really looked like it was the end of their existence a thousand years ago. And they made some decisions that are shared that suddenly warped their progress into light realms and um, harmony, peace, prosperity, abundance, joy. Such an exciting book. But here's one of the questions uh, I got from Frank. I asked, you know, what was life like there and what are they like? And this was kind of a freaky answer. Frank said, that they, as physical creatures, okay? Now, Tracy channeled them, not from psychic realms, not from beyond the curtains of time and space, which is where, you know, our dearly departed loved ones are. No, no, she channeled these, these creatures um, from this time and space, although the space is far removed, deep, deep space, beyond the reach of our telescopes. Um, they've channeled here, um, Consciously, like remote viewing, they projected themselves here. Astral projection, that's how they're exploring the cosmos. Anyway, they're here and we can talk to them and learn to them through channels like Tracy or through our own intuition, we can feel their answers. 
Frank said that physically speaking, not only is their planet far more harsh than ours, but they, as a being, are unimaginably different than us. That I got the clear impression they do not have two legs, two arms, and a head. Okay. Um, Tracy gave me some insights as to what she thinks they might look like through her intuition and imprints, um, but not human at all. But yet physical beings, uh, they reproduce, they have homes and uh, arts and commerce. And so that was kind of freaky. I didn't even have the nerve to ask Frank to explain what they look like because I just didn't want to freak myself out. Like maybe they're spiders or maybe they're octopi. <laughs> I don't think that's quite what they look like, and that's not what Tracy said. But here's the thing. This is so mind-boggling. While they are unimaginably different than us, physically speaking, spiritually, they are nearly identical. They are learning of their power. They are learning of kindness. They are learning that it's all about love. They are learning about cooperation. They go from baby soul, young soul, mature soul, old soul. Um, they're, be, they're brethren. They, they're born and they die like we do. Um, spiritually speaking, they are virtually identical. They just don't have the same physical bodies, but yet their physical bodies are adapted to the harshness of their planet. They almost all live underground because this, the heat from their sun or suns is so intense that it just cooks the surface of their planet. Uh, they, have, they have so much more to share. But I think that answers the question of alien life, extraterrestrials, so perfectly because we tend to think that they're like, they're these anomalies, they're rare, there are these, you know, who knows what their agenda is. And we so typically, humans do this. I'm sure all sentient beings do this. We typically project onto them our own qualities. So we see ourselves as shallow, greedy, out to pillage and plunder the mineral resources of the Congo. And so we think aliens must be doing that to us. This is how people have defined God as an angry white man. Because it was angry white men who defined God that way. And we all said, oh, okay, you must be close to God. Well, we'll take your word for it. Obviously, God is not an angry white man. God is, oh my gosh. Um, but neither are aliens like us. And here's a question that all have. Are they dangerous? Are they threatening? Um, do we have anything to fear? Here's my take. In order to have developed... <clears throat> scientifically, either psychically or in the case of UFOs, which are very, very real. We have video footage all over the world. In order for a race to advance to such a degree that they can get on board uh, a, an, a physical craft that they have assembled and be hurtled through the depths of space light years away and arrive either through a wormhole or whatever uh, and, and land, the only way you could have technology, in my view, that sophisticated is if there is a whole lot of spiritual maturity going on. Now, I think 
the, the, the more technologically advanced, the more spiritually advanced. Now, don't look at our world and think that, wow, we're really technologically advanced, so we must be really spiritual. We're still caveman and woman. You know, so, so we split the atom, big whoop. There's a lot more out there to discover about harnessing universal energies in a clean, peaceful way without blowing up people and blowing up atoms. And we haven't got there. We are capped, if you will. Um, at making further scientific breakthroughs until we start seeing the oneness and the intelligence and the love and the beauty involved in all of the physical universe. It's all divine intelligence radiating out there. And species that have figured that out um, are then able to make leaps and bounds kind of progress in the physical realm with physics and chemistry and biology and sciences we probably don't even know of, mathematics that would boggle our mind. Therefore, for them to be so spiritually evolved that they can get on a spaceship and travel the physical universe, I think it is extremely unlikely, not impossible, extremely unlikely that we have anything to fear from these physical beings. And I think they're really beyond looking for ore and gold and diamonds. Um, to be at that degree that they're boarding spacecraft, they're, they're not going to be like, we need some more diesel fuel because we've plundered our planet. You know, they're, they're like, we don't need any more minerals. Uh, and there's enough planets out there that are probably uninhabited that have those minerals. So it's just silliness to think that we have anything to fear from aliens and extraterrestrials. I mean, after all, with all of the, the miles of video footage of aliens from the U.S. Air Force and the Navy and humans, you know, cell phones, uh, we realize they're here. They're freaking everywhere, yet we haven't been taken over. Now, do they uh, take our DNA and teleport us to their spaceship into laboratories like some of the abduction stories? Um, I find that quite plausible and quite believable. I, I really don't know. But everything I'm sharing with you, other than the number of planets, is my speculation based on some stuff that I've read that was channeled and otherwise. A couple of other interesting um, points here. Uh, there's always the question, where did we come from? And I think that's a really silly, super silly question. And to draw the conclusion, well, we came from beings out in outer space. Who knows? Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. We cert I don't believe in evolution as like from amoebas, but I do believe that there's a combination of evolution and creationism, which is what created all life. And then it is evolved slightly from there. But to say, oh, we must have come from another planet. There, there, why would that be true? And ultimately, you're going to go so far back with that theory to another planet. Well, where did they come from? Oh, they came from another planet. Where, where did they come? Somewhere you've got creationism where it all started. And so I don't think it, there's any reason or need to conclude that we can't, human beings aren't of earth. Now, do we share DNA? Uh, probably. Maybe that was um, just biology and the way creation worked with the Big Bang and creationism, uh, the blending of the two. And maybe there was some um, DNA extracted from them or us and blended. I mean, I, it really doesn't even matter, okay? That doesn't matter at all. Another question. Um, are the ancient ruins on planet Earth, like the pyramids in Mexico or the pyramids in Egypt, 
or the pyramids all over the freaking planet because they're everywhere. And there's so many ancient ruins in the world. It, it boggles the mind, you know. Uh, I mean, China, Europe, United States has this weird stuff. Every country probably has some kind of ancient ruins because there's been hundreds of advanced civilizations prior to ours that are unknown to us. So is it safe to assume that we could never have done that because we just crawled out of the caves. It must have been from the aliens. No, it's not safe to assume that at all. I'm sure in some cases, aliens, our brothers and sisters from other mothers, um, helped us out. Maybe some even built some monuments. But I think it's very reasonable to, to believe that we, and Frank said this, as ingenious and in creative as we are, we figured out in other civilizations how to harness universal energy. We didn't, you don't have to have aliens to do that. Somebody had to figure it out for the first time. And I'm sure humans on planet Earth in different civilizations, Atlantis, Lemuria, um, and many, many, many more that are unknown, according to channel books and common sense, human beings, the Mayans, the Chinese, the Greeks, uh, they and many, many, many more. They, they figured out how to harness universal energy. Uh, and it's not like we had to have gotten it from outer space. We probably got some from outer space. Um, and then, of course, uh, just a, one more note on UFOs. I, I already said it. Yeah, they're everywhere. I, I've seen one. I bet you have a UFO story. Put one down below or an alien story. Alien, do they walk the street with us? Probably. Um but why haven't they shown themselves? I asked that of Frank and Frank said, they're not stupid, okay? We are such a base primitive society right now that if aliens showed up, they would be immediately apprehended, arrested, um, put under surveillance, put under a microscope, dissected. Their, their, their spaceships would be shot at and blown up. They're, they're not stupid. We're not ready. Unfortunately, much of the world is not ready for that peaceful exchange. Um, we're still fighting each other, right? So I think that day's inevitable and it could happen. It could happen soon. Um, there's parameters I'm unaware of. Um, but anyway, it's exciting and fun to think about, but don't let this detract from your spiritual adventure in life because all that stuff is cool and fun and it helps put things into perspective. But what's most important right now is your joy your happiness, your learning, your growing, your adventures. Jumbo fellow adventurers, today's question is one near and dear to my heart. It is actually a compilation of several of your questions. Good on you for, for raising the bar, if you will. How to raise your vibe to the point of ascendance, self-realization, total true awakening, transcendence of the illusions. Yes, totally possible. I talk about it at length with my Infinite Possibility members. Um, we meet every Tuesday. The link is below or on Instagram, swipe up in my bio. But today I'm going to give you eight, eight tips on how to raise your vibration. The exact synthesis of the question combined from several people. Mike, how can we raise our vibration? Bring ourselves closer to God's spirit holiness. How do we enter the fourth and fifth dimensions? 
I got to be very honest. I don't really know much about fourth and fifth dimensions, except they're in some book titles. I've read a little bit about them. I gather from, um, let's see, what have I read recently? Um, Bringers of the Dawn, quite a powerful book, that having your vibration in the fourth or fifth dimension or fourth or fifth density is very much like ascendance, taking your whole being higher. I do believe that with the right vibration, we can ascend from this plane of manifestation and without dying and having our body decay into the earth, we can raise the vibration and just disappear right on out of here. I know that's crazy. I don't think that's the goal. It's an option. It's all good. It's all holy. We all get to the other side either way. So here are some thoughts on how to to get there. Some eight tips, each of which I follow every single day right now as I make my pilgrimage towards higher vibrations. Not that I want to leave, but I want to be here with a higher vibration and elsewhere. Number one of eight, begin collecting a mini library of books on the subject or that dance around the subject that thrill you. Now, granted, this has to be a thrilling topic to you, or this is not your cup of tea, do something different. But have a mini library. I'm going to share with you some of my books that I've added to my mini Enlightenment Self-Realization Library this year. I've talked about this one before, The Third Millennium by Ken Carey. Just rewind the tape if you want to see that title again. This one is so exciting. The Hermetica. The Lost Wisdom of the Pharaohs by Freak and Gandhi. I just told you about Bringers of the Dawn. That's around here somewhere. I've got a library of about 12 books right now. Totally underline my favorite passages that light me up and remind me of the possibility of living in a higher vibration because being excited about it and believing in it is, is the, the gateway for it to be achievable by you. And so these remind me, I see, I scatter these books around my home, at my bedside, in my working area, so that I'm constantly reminded of my power and possibilities. Number two of eight, take time to think of yourself as a fabulous, expansive, multidimensional being. In other words, stop just seeing yourself as mere mortal. Excuse me, the mortal has to blow his nose. Don't just go out and about into the world, you know, scavenging for food, hunter-gatherer mode. Move into circumstances, into trains of thought. Um, approach a meal, approach entertainment, approach a conversation from this expanded place that you are everywhere always at once. You are a multidimensional being. It's only this portion of your vast beingness that has forgotten about your vast beingness. The rest of you is all like, there's Mike down there. He thinks he's all alone. Practice playfully, setting time aside, walking through a park, walking through your home, greeting friends, speaking on the phone, communicating in any way as this gladiator of spiritual energy that's everywhere. Stop seeing yourself as mere mortal. Number three, take time to not think. Take time, many call it meditation, take time to just try to still the chatter of your ego. 
Okay, and I say many call it meditation. I think meditation is a word as almost as sinister as God, the word God, because it has such baggage. It means different things to different people. What is meditation? Meditation, one form, is um, listening to loud rap music. Okay, I really get into the zone with loud rap music. Uh, another form of meditation is going for a long walk in nature. Another form of meditation is deep contemplative thought, like really wondering and pretending to fly through the cosmos and in and out of star fields and galaxies and landing on other planets and being greeted. That is so much fun. And another form is sitting lotus style, yogi style, uh, watching your breath and not allowing yourself to think thoughts. It's all good. I say it's sinister because, you know, if one doesn't fit you, you think you can't meditate. You're already an advanced meditator. So create some time to not let the chatter run away with you and go to contemplative thought or let your consciousness lead you or count, count breath, count your breath. Excuse me. Number four, bring love into every situation, challenge, and circumstance. Love, love, love. Everyone's doing their best. This is a challenge for me. When you watch the political discussions on TV and you know, you're know you on one side and the other side is just like cuckoo, love them. They're not cuckoo. Love them. They may have one on you, okay? Bring love to every equation. Uh, number five, pray and ask your guides for help. Ask God, ask the universe. Ask whatever you believe in. Ask your higher self. But just articulate, I desire to raise my vibration. I hereby align myself uh, with the vibration of enlightenment. I, I, I ask you, universe, I ask you, God, I ask you, angels, to show me the way to make it easy, to make it comfortable, to raise my vibrations. Help me help myself. Number six. This is fun. Visualize anticipated altered states. Thoughts become things. You want a new car? You want a million dollars? You want a travel partner? Visualize. You want enlightenment? Visualize enlightenment. Reading different accounts of mystical experiences encountered by different folks. Um, and in the third millennium, they talk about a flip in polarity get this, where instead of looking out and seeing, you know, here's you and there's the world, <clears throat> there's a, an altered state. There's an altered state far closer to reality than our normal perspectives, where when you look out at the world, you see more you. It's all you. A note from the universe once said that really and truly there's you and there's more you. There's just you, okay? Because we're all one. And it's possible to see this, and there are exciting accounts where people have done this. One comes to mind, Sadhguru, S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. What a cool dude from India. Google his enlightenment story. Um, and it's not unique to him. Many have had it. So I visualize that I'm walking through nature or in my backyard against the woods, and I'm seeing it all as me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so, where do I end? Where does it begin? There is no separation. Visualize enlightenment. 
There's other ways. You can visualize that you're soaring through the cosmos like I already shared. You can visualize that you see with more than your physical eyes. You see with your inner eye. And you know where the energy grid, the energy matrix is. Not a matrix like the movie where there's, you know, evil computers. But uh, a, a true energy matrix. And you can sense and feel the, 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 the intersection of thought and matter and how they fuse together and we are streaming manifestors. Playfully do that when you visualize. Number seven, honor your body, eat, sleep, and exercise well. Eat, sleep, and exercise well. High quality food. I'm going to let you do the research on that. Okay, I don't want to be preaching, but sleep and exercise. Come on, this is a temple and yours is too. Take care of that thing. And number eight, I've already alluded to it, be in nature. Whether it's a five-minute walk around your yard or whether it's 10-mile trail run or uh, sitting by the lake or sitting, hugging a tree, um, give yourself these opportunities to go for a walk every day in, you know, around a pond in your neighborhood, anything. Nature is it, pure God, uh, unfiltered, uh, much better than staring at walls and paintings and carpet and hardwood floors. We're all going to get there, fellow adventurers. Um, it's the next frontier in consciousness. That is waking up within the dream of life. And that will be reflective of a higher vibration. So call it what you will, fourth, fifth dimension, higher vibration, awakening, self-realization. It's there for you if and when you're ready. Not that there's anything wrong with being in the soup of these juicy, sexy, time-space jungles. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!